Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. Beautiful Wednesday here in Joburg. And if it's just past 2 o'clock, in fact, 2.10, it is Judaism 101.9. Today, to start with, just to think about the fact that during the Sefirah period between Pesach and Shavuot, we do not have weddings. Weddings do not take place. But, of course, um, during this difficult time, the concept of a wedding has changed. Um, everything about the way that a simcha is celebrated has altered in our minds and in our lifestyle. And even if there were to be weddings at this particular time, they would be somewhat different from what we have become accustomed to, what we used to when it comes to weddings. But there are certain parts of weddings that are always there. Um, no matter how the wedding is done, no matter whether it was done as it has been um, of late with much smaller crowds and perhaps um, in certain areas of uh, the world, a car is driven around with the bride and groom being able to greet people rather than them actually coming to the simcha. They've kind of nationalized it. They've made it international sometimes with um, a Zoom camera and all sorts of other effects that have made it somewhat different as have other simchas, whether it's a bar mitzvah or a bris and so on. But there are certain things that have always been the same. And one of the things that takes place at a wedding, an interesting, fascinating custom, is that at the end of a wedding, a groom, the groom, the bridegroom, breaks a glass. And everybody always then shouts out Vazeltov. And there are so many different things that the rabbis and uh, people around have used as a very, very beautiful analogy or image of what, <coughs> excuse me, what this breaking of the glass is actually all about. And of course, people have become accustomed to know that it's usually preceded by the chazan, the choir, people singing, first from Tehillim, from Psalms, that we cannot forget Jerusalem, the fact that the temple is in ruins. The fact that we do not have our Beit HaMikdash is a um, reminder that takes place under a chuppah, at the height of the simcha. The bride and groom are thinking about the establishment of their home, but they cannot forget Jerusalem, and we cannot forget Jerusalem, and we cannot be completely happy. We cannot be completely fulfilled unless we have the Gula, unless we have that redemption, unless we see that Beit HaMikdash and the fact that it lies in ruins is something that we are all too aware of, about at all times, but particularly at the height of our Simcha, that we spare a thought for Jerusalem. We say a prayer that it should be rebuilt. We know that we cannot forget it and that at every moment we need to be reminded of it all the time. But have you ever thought about why this is done, particularly at a wedding? Why at that time? And some would say because that's the biggest simcha, when a Jewish home is established. But perhaps there's something a little more subtle. Perhaps there's something that we need to think about with the establishment of a Jewish home that makes this establishment of a home correlate to. It is coupled with, it's integrally linked with the building of the Beit HaMikdash, the building of the temple. And perhaps 
one of the subtle messages that we're giving to every bride and groom is you're not just establishing here a home. You're not just talking about your wonderful relationship that has brought you together and therefore inspired you to take this plunge into the incredible, incredible uh, wealth of um, joy and simcha and happiness and togetherness and so on that marriage brings and that it should bring. And we're not just celebrating the fact that here there will be a brand new, beautiful Jewish family, but we're celebrating the fact that the couple are charged with setting up a little Beit HaMikdash. They're charged with setting up a temple. And that temple needs to have all the trimmings and trappings from a spiritual point of view of a Beit HaMikdash, of a temple. All the trimmings and trappings of a Jewish home need to really mirror what we had in the Beit HaMikdash, what we had in the temple. And let's begin by saying that therefore, primarily, we're talking about the idea of, or the notion behind the setting up of the Jewish home in the first place. What was the temple, what was the Beit HaMikdash really all about? It was about the opportunity to get closer to God. The opportunity for us to be in a relationship, not just with each other as two human beings setting up this home and then hopefully having a family and increasing the number of people who are participating in what that home stands for. But in fact, it is all about setting up a little Beit HaMikdash where every movement and every notion and every idea and every facet of that home needs to be geared towards getting closer to God. How can we become closer to the Almighty? That was what the temple, the Beit HaMikdash, facilitated. It allowed us to bring what we call korbanot, sacrifices. But they weren't sacrifices at all, really. They were korbanot. They were sacrifices only in the sense that um, they were offered up, but they were actually offerings that brought us closer. The word korban comes from the word karev, karov, which means to get close. The concept of the sacrifices was to bring us closer to God. And as each and every step of the temple of the Beit HaMikdash was geared to bringing us closer to the Almighty, so too should every facet of our homes be geared to bringing us closer to the Almighty. In 1987, the Lubavitcher Rebbe spoke about the fact that he wanted each and every one of us to understand or to try and understand how we could make our homes into Chabad houses, the concept of a Chabad house. And he explained that it wasn't only the concept of making it into a Chabad house, putting a sign on the door that says Beit Chabad, Chabad house, that's very much a, a, a simplistic way of looking at it. The idea was to turn the home as every Chabad house or as every Jewish institution, every Beit, Beit Midrash, every, um, every Beit Knesset, every shul, 
every place needs to be geared for uh, to to be a place that brings godliness into the world and brings us closer to God, so too should we set up our homes that they too should become these beacons of light and these powerhouses of holiness in every possible fashion. This is actually what we need to try and do and we need to strive for. And in these days where we're spending so much time focusing on our homes that we have been thrust into and that we've been made to spend more time in over the last number of weeks, how much more relevant is that message now than it ever was before? Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. As the chassan puts his foot down at the end of the wedding, and breaks a glass and links, therefore, the establishment of his Jewish home, which he has just and his wife have just committed to set up. He's linking it with the Beit HaMikdash, with the temple. And each and every one of us needs to know that our homes should be little Botamikdash, little temples. And in that temple, it's not just as um, the world would have us think, that a temple is just a place that you go to pray and that you connect with God in that way. There are so many different realms and means with which we connect with God in our homes. And as we're focusing now during this lockdown and during this period of isolation, we're focusing so much more on the home. Perhaps it is a fitting opportunity for each and every one of us to focus much more on our homes and to check that our homes are those beacons of light, those places of warmth, of learning, of comfort, of understanding, and of giving, that each and every Jewish home should be, because it needs to mirror what the Beit HaMikdash, what the temple stood for, and in this way, that we connect even better with the Almighty, with God, and that we will come out of this whole experience not only fortified and stronger, but that will come out of this experience having really learnt what the value of a Jewish home truly is, what it actually is all about. And so over the, the many, many years that the Rebbe spoke about all of these things, he gave us so many different beautiful directions that we could follow and we could integrate and inculcate into our homes and into the way of our lives and into the things that we do on a regular basis. And perhaps the first one, and not particularly in any order, but perhaps the first one to focus on is the concept of a Jewish home needing to be a place of giving. The default setting of a Jew, um, of a human being perhaps, always needs to be, what can we give? Giving is living. Without giving, we really seem to play no purpose. And the biggest deal that we can, or the biggest disservice perhaps that we can do to anybody is to take away their opportunity or their privilege of being able to give. Now, fortunately, during a period of isolation, we can still give. And we can give in many, many different ways, of course. There are apps and there are links on a line. There are many different ways that one can continue your um, giving opportunities to stock it to charity. And, of course, at a time like this, while everybody is thinking about 
um, their futures and um, what is going to be when we get out of all of this from a financial point of view, spare a thought for charity organizations, spare a thought for anything that relies or any organization or any group that relies on donations. They are perhaps going to be the hardest hit. And therefore, we need to understand that our giving not only needs to continue, but in any possible way needs to be increased. We need to understand the idea, the concept of giving and giving with a full heart and giving with the understanding from a Jewish point of view that when we give, we live. And when we give, we are actually emulating and imitating God himself. God created a world where there were haves and have-nots. He created a world where there are some who need to be donors and some who need to be donees. And without that, we would kill off giving and the concept of tzedakah, of charity, would be completely decimated. It would be obliterated. It wouldn't be necessary. And we would create a far more selfish world. Now, living at home and uh, being isolated there is the propensity, there's the possibility that people could become very, very isolated in their thinking and they could become rather selfish. What do I need to do is just take care of, number one, take care of me, take care of those who are around me in my immediate orb and forget about everything else. We could isolate, we could cut off, we could become extremely selfish. But that is not the setting of a Jewish home. That's not what the Beit HaMikdash was about. The Beit HaMikdash, the temple, was much more about outside than it was about inside. In fact, we're even told that the windows of the temple were designed in such a way that the light that was created inside could spread outwards, not the other way around. And a Jewish home needs to be a place of giving. How do we do that? And what should we be doing in order to Create that atmosphere of giving. Well, first of all, continue to think about people who have less than us. Continue to think about organizations and groups and um, public functions or functionaries that are in need of funds in order to survive and in order to give on our behalf. And not only think about, but perhaps put our uh, literally our money where our mouths are, and make sure that we give, that we support, that we continue the dimension of giving for which we have become famous and for which we are well known. But we need to continue that. We need to make sure that we continue to give as much as humanly possible. Secondly, we need to instill in our children the atmosphere and the attitude of giving. Now, this can be done. Of course, a very, very practical suggestion is to get your kids to make some kind of a charity box while they've got a little bit of free time. How about as a home activity, get everybody to make a charity box of their own and into that charity box, put a few coins every day. Yes, as parents will have to provide them with those coins or encourage them to take from their allowances from the amount that they themselves hopefully are allotted from time to time, and each and every day to always be giving, to be giving even if it is just into a charity box that is designated for charity at a later stage. This is a very, very powerful image of contribution, of giving, 
of caring and sharing and thinking about others at all times. The Rebbe many years ago instituted the idea of having a fixed charity box in our kitchens. And Dafka, he said, to have it that it's a fixture, that it's actually fixed to the wall, that in the kitchen there is a charity box and that each and every time a meal is made. Now, if we think about just this notion in a very, very uh, beautiful, beautiful way, the concept of I am about to eat and there are some people out there who may not have what to eat. Let me contribute to them. Let me give to them. Now, yes, you're not directly giving it to them as in the person who's hungry receiving that food right away, but I'm setting it aside. I'm designating it. I'm putting it there into a charity box to be given at a later stage. But each and every time I sit down to eat, how can I sit down to a meal when there are some people out there who are starving and without sparing a thought about them? And we train ourselves and we train our children and we train the atmosphere in the home to become one that is geared for giving. And what a very, very beautiful way we can take upon ourselves during this time that we're at home to be more giving, to be more caring for those beyond the four walls of our immediate orb, of our immediate environment, and to continually think about and practically actually give to them on a regular basis. Of course, if you have surplus food, of course, if you have surplus supplies, clothing perhaps that you've cleared out in these off days that you're not ever going to use, of course, the idea of giving them to a depot or to a group of people or to those who are less privileged than us, what a wonderful, wonderful thing that is as well. And when you're out and you can go out to shop, that you can drop them off at the various organizations who are collecting these things, of course that is a wonderful um, and important dimension as well. And your children need to see that this giving is being done, that charity continues, that the care for others continues. It is the very basis upon which our Judaism, our uh, homes are actually based, and it strengthens the foundations of the home in ways and means that we can only dream about in the most beautiful, beautiful fashion. While we're in the kitchen and we're thinking about the other major topic, of course, um, in a home during lockdown, I guess, is what are we going to eat? Uh, what's for lunch? What's for breakfast? What's for supper? Um, when we wake up in the morning, we're thinking about dinner that night. Um, the focus of many, many people's homes over this time of isolation has been eating. And hopefully people are not putting on too much weight in all the wrong places. And hopefully we are um, uh, doing uh, keep, uh, keeping to some kind of a regimen and some kind of an exercise and diet and so on. But at the same time, perhaps it's a, a time for us to think about the kashrut in our home, keeping kosher, a foundation of our little Beit HaMikdash. The kashrut of the home, the keeping of the kosher dietary laws while we have been at home is an opportunity for us to focus a little bit more intently upon them. Of course, to spend a little bit more time in the kitchen and make sure that we are supervising what actually is going on. If we were keeping a kosher kitchen, 
and to improve on our kashrut, to raise our standards a little bit. If we were only buying kosher products, perhaps it's an opportunity now to also make sure that we've got separate meat and milk utensils. If we were doing that already, perhaps it's an opportunity to ensure that we adhere to the times between meals that we should have done and perhaps we're a little bit reluctant to do up until now. If that's not enough, we'll perhaps to sanctify things a little bit better and make sure that we make our brachot, our blessings, and that we thank God for the food that we have. There are so many dimensions to eating that we can improve upon, each and every one of us. Nobody has got it absolutely perfectly right, and we need to increase and improve, making sure that our focus is on how we can bring ourselves to be a little bit closer to what it was and is that God requires from us, and therefore in so doing, bring ourselves a little bit closer to God in our little Beit HaMikdash, in our little temple that we have at home. Of course, there are many, many different and other things that we could and should be doing. Perhaps you've noticed while you're at home that you don't have a mezuzah on every door of your house, and perhaps it's an opportunity to rectify that. Make sure that you do have mezuzot on all the uh, doorposts and all the gateways of your home, the ones that require them. If you're not sure how to do that, well, be in touch with your rabbi, your rabbitson, um, or with um, one of us at Chabad House and make sure that you can um, improve upon that today. You could take a picture and show the doorpost, the uh, uh, frame to a rabbi or to somebody who can advise you on exactly where that mezuzah needs to go. If you don't have those mezuzot, well, you may not be able to acquire them right now, but you certainly can make a note that this and this door, um, the door to the outside, the door to the patio, the door between the study and the kitchen uh, needs improvement and you need to get a new mezuzah. And we can do this all uplifting our home and making it just a little bit more of a beta migdash, a little bit more of this migdash ma'at that it should be, that it needs to be, bringing us closer to God. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Another very important way of turning our homes into spiritual centers and turning our homes into little bate migdash that can bring us closer to the Almighty is by learning Torah there. If we think about the words of Torah or holiness, and if we're bringing more and more holiness into a space, it's going to have an effect. And the effect that it's going to have is not only on the individuals who are there, but the very walls of the home, the surrounds, the environment, is going to be purified through bringing the words of Torah and the learning of Torah into that place. And today it has been made so much easier to access Torah learning. In days gone by, one needed a library, one needed to go off to um, a shul and read the holy books. Today, so much is available. On your computers, on your internet, on your cell phone, there is so much that one can download, there is so much that one can access. And of course, um, I'd like to promote and invite you to access ChabadSouthAfrica.org and take a look at the myriad of different Articles and shiurim and Torah learning that can be done there, whether it is the parsha of the week, whether it is 
the um, <clears throat> some mystical writings, something from Tanya, and so on. These are golden opportunities that we have during this period of time to bring that holiness into our homes, to study that. Whether you're doing it alone, whether you're doing it with your spouse, whether you're doing it with your children, whether you're doing it with your brothers and sisters or your parents or grandparents, and doing it perhaps online with other people or just in your home alone, each and every word of Torah that comes into your home is elevating, it's uplifting, it's illuminating. And your Beit HaMikdash, your little Mikdash, your little tab- tabernacle, your little temple will be transformed and will bring and exude the light outwards that we are hoping to be able to to do in our homes at this particular time. But Torah learning and things of holiness and the saying of Tehillim and the davening that we're doing at home, the prayer services that hopefully we're doing at home, all of these things are uh, perhaps in the spiritual realm, and maybe that's the area that we almost understand the best. But how about thinking about doing something from a practical marriage point of view? There are marriage laws that we could improve upon and investigate and think about the laws of the bedroom, so to speak, the laws of relationships between husbands and wives, the laws of how mikveh needs to be brought into the realm of our marriage. If it's not yet there, and if it is there, how it can be improved upon, how we can better keep these rules. Yes, there was a whole um, uh, discussion right at the beginning of this lockdown about how mikvah life would be um, uh, upkept and how it would be done during this period of time. And thanks to the hard work of our chief rabbi and others, the incredible uh, mitzvah of mikvah has been allowed, preserved, albeit in a tempered fashion. So it can be done, and it is done, and it is kept. And this is something that we too need to try and improve upon. If it is already present, as I said, in our marriages, we need to improve upon it. And if it is something that we haven't yet done or we're not up to doing, it is certainly something that we should bring into this little Beit HaMikdash. It's going to change your lives. It's going to uplift your home, and it's going to bring us all just that little bit closer to God. Be back with you to sum up right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So let's end off where we began. The chasen under the chuppah breaks the glass. And as we said, it links us integrally with the idea of the establishment of a home that is similar to the temple, that is similar to the Beit HaMikdash. But ultimately, we break that glass to jar us and to remind us of the fact that we're still missing something. And what we're missing is gula, is redemption. And that redemption through Mashiach is something that we yearn for, that we strive for, that we pray for each and every day. And we need to gear ourselves and our homes to be that way inclined as well. That each and every day we think about, we talk about, we discuss, we learn about Mashiach. What is Mashiach? What is it all about? Once again, I refer you to 
a uh, Chabad website, which is wewantmashiachnow.net. If you go there, there is some more information about Mashiach, perhaps some things that you can discuss, and links that will link you to this incredible concept within Judaism. It is a yearning that we have. It is something that we need to bring integrally much more into our lives because ultimately that is the purpose of our homes, of our temple, of that jarring move of a groom under his chuppah to remind us of what we're missing and hopefully through our yearning for it, through our learning about it and through our reaching out to the concept of Mashiach, we will get just that little closer and that final little push to bring Mashiach now will be something that we have helped to accomplish through turning our homes into little temples, into little Batei Migdash. So hopefully this time will be spent productively. Hopefully this time will be spent in um, uplifting ourselves and our homes, our environments, bringing us ever closer to the time when we will no longer have broken glasses to remind us, but rather we'll have the temple that we yearn for each and every day. And all these uh, beautiful messages that we have managed to perform and to do during this period of time and the homes that we have managed to establish will be the pillars, the foundations upon which our Beit HaMikdash, our temple, will actually be built, will actually be structured. So let's ensure that we play our part, that we do what we need to do during this period of time to make sure that our homes become our temples, our Bate Migdash herald the arrival very speedily, very soon, of Mashiach himself and the rebuilding of the temple in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem, very, very soon. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead, and I look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.